Now on News Talk, continuing our season of documentary on News Talk, producer Brian Gallagher tells the story of the Mayo Greenway in On Your Bike. When I hit the bray and looked down on the village of Dewa, everything in the back of my mind about Dublin or work or pressures or anything are all just left behind. And most people that I know would say the same kind of thing. They go there to get away from the hustle and bustle, a place you can get peace and relax. You could just keep cycling and cycling as if there was no tomorrow. The sun is up high in the sky and the birds are singing. Local people were incensed and protested, but to no avail, the line stayed closed. I rode to Santa every year and never got a bike. So how old do you think you were when you got your first oh bike? God. <laughs> Probably in my 40s. <laughs> the stillness and the quietness and the serenity of it, it's just unique, it's absolutely beautiful. I used to see the, the Greenway starting to be built, so I kind of came up with the idea that somebody's going to need to service this trail. Is it a good time to do this? With the recession coming and quitting a full-time job, it, it was a bit, bit hairy at first, you know, but thankfully everything's come together. The ever-changing light, the beauty changes. The same scene is never the same in the morning, afternoon and evening. The colours, you could have pinks there that you've never seen in your life before. It has brought a whole sense of light to the place. You have a whole new influx of people and that is a great resource. Westport House was originally built by the Brown family in 1730, but they actually date back to the Pirate Queen of Connacht, both the house and the family. At my age, which is certainly well into my 60s, any day I can get up on a bicycle is a good it's day, a good believe day. you me. In a hundred years' time, there won't be thought about me or the T-shirt. They'll be saying, the, the people that were alive a hundred years ago, wasn't the great thinking what they did. The first section of the West Porto Ackle Greenway opened in 2010 with the full route opening in 2011, and already it's proving a hugely popular tourist attraction. The Greenway follows the line of the Midland Great Western Railway, which in its day was a remarkable piece of engineering. Arthur Flynn, local historian, explains the background. The Midland Great Western Railway that ran the steam train from Westport to Ackle Sound from 1894 to 1937 and it carried both passengers, animals and cargo. In its 43 year short history, the railway will be best remembered for the first and last train journeys. The remarkable thing about these journeys was that the boat carried the bodies of people from the island who died. So how did a railway come to be built here in the first place? In the early 1890s, the roads leading into Ackle were in very poor condition and would have been extremely costly to repair. There had been discussions and deputations for over 40 years from the people and politicians for the Dublin to Westport line to be extended to Ackle Island. It was finally decided to finance and extend the railway line from Westport only as far as Ackle Sound, but not to Dua. The first section of the railway, Westport to Newport, opened on the 1st of February 1894. The following year, the second phase, Newport to Mulrani opened. And now, all these years later, a group of social cyclists in their 50s and 60s have decided to retrace the railway route westwards, all the way from Westport to the terminal of the line at Ackle, 
a journey of 42 kilometres. Declan O'Brien tells how this came about. I just got a bike at the Bike to Work scheme, so when the Castlenock Tennis Club decided to form a kind of social cycling club that would head out on Saturday morning, sure, it was fantastic. I would say that some of the people had, hadn't been on a bike for years and it's just great to get to see them see them taking off. We've, I think we might have one electric bike, but most people just get out there and pedal. The chat is great. You catch up with people and you get to know things about people that you don't, by playing tennis, you just you don't get to talk, maybe chat as much. It's amazing how people kind of pair up on, on when they're cycling and, and you chat to one person for a while and then you, you either slow down a bit and chat to somebody else or you speed up and catch, catch up with somebody and, and chat to them. For tomorrow's cycle, Declan and his wife Jane are teaming up with two friends. Got Eugene and Geraldine, they have the same surname as ourselves. Got to know each other quite well. Probably more to the cycling than to the tennis. And it's looking good. This could be a really, really good day now tomorrow. The weather forecast is good, the bikes are booked, and the night before they set off, the cyclists relax over a drink, recalling their early experiences of cycling, starting with a hair-raising tale from Eugene. My first bicycle for years, my brother had a bicycle and I always was told that when he gets a new bike, I will get his bike. And I had just gone into first year, so I was probably 11 or 12 years of age and I was living out on the Sorgan Road and eventually the bike was given to me. And we used to cycle out to Dunleary Baths at 12 years of age, which was the main road out of Dublin. I thought I was in heaven cycling on that bike. So the family were big into health and safety? Uh, not really, no. no, no. Nobody thought anything about it. How my parents allowed us out on a bike when I think about it now. Jane also got by without too much adult supervision when learning to cycle. I don't remind me holding me or holding the saddle. I just got up on the bike and took off myself. Probably about nine or ten years of age. But that was the second bike belonged to my sister. And I bought my own bike when I was about 18 and working. It was a bus strike. I cycled over to Balls Bridge when it was a bus strike. So that's my first long cycle all the way up to Clyde Road where I worked. So how do they feel about tomorrow's trip? A little bit apprehensive, I suppose. It's a long journey, maybe more than we'd normally have done, but... But looking forward, forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. I mean, it, it's a great adventure to do at my age, which is certainly well into my 60s. I'm, I, any day I can get up on a bicycle is a good <laughs> day, a good believe day. you me. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see how it goes. Weather permitting and legs permitting, this is the time we're going to do it. Yeah. How about you, Jan? We've made an attempt to do it before, but the weather wasn't good. So yeah, really looking forward to it. So no, it's a great way to keep fit and to be out in the fresh air, especially in this weather. And you can do it at your own pace. So yes, everybody should get up on their bike. Mayo County Council thought people should get up on their bikes when the Greenway was first mooted. Former Minister for Tourism, Michael Ring, recalls. But first of all, it, it was an idea by people within the county and within the county council and with the support of the Department of Transport at the time. They had an initiative as well, trying to get people fitter, getting them healthier and maybe looking at greenways around the country. It was a new phenomenon at the time and people didn't really think a lot of it and didn't think it could ever happen. And to be fair in Mayo, it wouldn't have happened, but for Mayo, county council were very strong. And there's a guy there called Porrick Philbin. He's a senior executive engineer. And he had this vision and he said, look, we'll get this greenway. Got money from the department and uh, he started talking to farmers and he dealt with on an individual basis. This was critically important as the generosity of landowners in granting access was essential, as Michael Ring acknowledges. This would not happen but for the landowners. And we have to remember that and we have to respect what they have done for Ireland and for their community and for their county. There was no money crossed hands. There might be bits of work here and there that the council had to do, rightly so, in relation to protection of their land and walls and different things like that. Meanwhile, engineer Podrick Philbin worked away. He had that vision and he pushed that vision on and we now have a most successful greenway from Westport to Newport to Mulroney to Wackel. And it's just fantastic. And the whole greenway has just been a tremendous success and it has been a great tourist attraction. 
The Great Western Greenway was the first in the country and I asked the Minister how long it took to do the project. I look at it, it took a good few years, there's no point pretending it was done gradually, bit by bit, and, and, and the great thing about it was people saw the progress that was being made, and when one area was identified, the farmers were dealt with, put a film and moved on to the next area. It took a few years, it took a lot of funding, you didn't get the full funding at the, at the, at the beginning, we had to do corrections on roads to take the greenway away from roads to make it safe, and as you know, that 42 kilometres is all off-road now and it's fabulous and there's no doubt about it we will be developing further over the years we're now hoping to extend that greenway bring it back up into Westport into Lewisburg bring it up into connecting to Galway at some stage so any matter now connecting them all together it takes time it takes money and we're doing that it's gone to Ackill we know what from what the top of Ackill to the bottom of Ackill eventually we will have a complete uh, greenway and walkway around Mayo Westport is a historic town, as Biddy Hughes of Westport House explains. Westport House was originally built by the Brown family in 1730, but they actually date back to the Pirate Queen of Connacht, both the house and the family, going back to the 16th century. So the house built on top of the ruins of one of Grace O'Malley or Grania Wales castles. And the Brown family, who were the family who built the house originally, they're the current generation are her 14th great-granddaughters. So there's a great story in this house from the physical connection as well as the, the family relationship with Grace O'Malley. So when did Westport House open to the public? It has been operating as a visitor attraction since 1960. The Brown family originally opened it to the public in 1960 because they figured they had to do something with it. There had been a succession of deaths in the family and a lot of death duties as a result of that. So um, in 1960, they looked at what they might do with the place. So they put the place on the market to see what takers they might get. There was one offer of £8,000 to take the place and they were going to knock the house to the ground. So thankfully, in 1960, Jeremy and Jennifer Brown said, no, thank you. They decided to take the very brave step to open the house to the public as a visitor attraction. That very first year, it welcomed 2,600 people. And since then, we're open 57 years and we're now welcoming about 150,000 visitors a year. The early owners of Westport House had a highly ambitious vision for the town. So 250 years ago, on St. Patrick's Day, in 1767, there was an ad placed in a Dublin journal by William Leeson, the architect, and Peter Brown Kelly of Westport House, looking for labourers, tradespeople and craftsmen to come and build the new town of Westport. So originally, Carnamarth, or Old Westport Town, was right on the front lawn of Westport House. But Peter Brown Kelly and William Leeson decided to move the town and create the beautiful planned town that we have today. So Westport isn't the, the beautiful, orderly, pretty town that it is by, by chance. It didn't grow up organically like most other towns around the country. When you come into Westport town, you, you notice, one of the first things you notice is the tree-lined river that we have that goes through the town, the Georgian buildings on either side. So the Browns originally, they canalised that river. It's, it's not actually meant to be straight, but they canalised that river. They planted it with trees. They built the beautiful Georgian buildings with the idea that people would come into town on their horse and carriage, they would come upon the river, they would follow it down and they'd start looking around going, wow, this is a really pretty town. Somebody really important must live here. So the canalised river leads them right into the estate. You come in the front gate of Westport House, you come up the sweeping front lawn, you turn a corner and you see this beautiful house. It was all about setting the expectation. The plans and the layout of the town, it was, it was very considered back in the 18th century. It was to create that wow factor. And I hope they've got it right. Westport House has been bought by the owners of Hotel Westport, 
and the good news is that the historic house will be retained as a museum home. Meanwhile, it's time to visit Clue Bay Bikes. I used to see the, the Greenway starting to be built, so I kind of came up with the idea that somebody's going to need to service this trail. Travis Zaray, the founder of Clue Bay Bikes, tells of how he saw an opportunity with the opening of the Greenway. I was working in Casabar just before the recession, coming home from work every day. I, I used to see the, the Greenway starting to be built and uh, come to find out that they were, they were putting a walking and cycling trail in. Um, I've worked in the outdoors back in Canada and in New Zealand and uh, the Cayman Islands and a few different places, so I've seen how adventure tourism kind of works. So at that stage, I approached uh, David, my business partner. We talked it over and said, listen, is it a good time to do this? And uh, with the recession coming and quitting a full-time job, it, it was a bit, uh, bit hairy at first, you know, but uh, thankfully everything's come together. Travis started with three people and 65 bikes. And today, there are 22 staff and over 500 bikes. But how did a man from Ontario end up renting bicycles in the west of Ireland? My wife, Colleen, is originally from Westport. We were working out in Whistler, British Columbia. We ended up working together and met there, and we did a bit of travelling around to Bermuda and the Cayman Islands and stuff. And when it was time to, I suppose, grow up and have a family, Colleen wanted to be close to her mum and dad, so to help raise the kids and stuff. I'm here in Ireland now for 12 years, and I absolutely love it. One of the features of the Westport to Wackle Greenway is that bikes can be hired from either end. Travis tells of the advantages of this. Uh, because the west of Ireland can get quite breezy at times, uh, we do, we're not known for our, our climate, um, we have the option to always make sure that you're cycling with the wind in your favour. So if the wind's blowing easterly, you can start in Westport and cycle to Ackle. Or if it's a, a, a westerly, which is more common, uh, we, we have shuttle buses that'll bring you to the far end so that uh, you can cycle back with the wind at your back. Today the wind is easterly which lifted the spirits of the cyclists as they arrived at the bike shop where Travis kitted them out. That one looks perfect actually, I like the feel of this. It looks just the right height for me. We're okay in helmets, I think. Yeah. Thank you. Perfect. Front brake is on the right and your back brake is on the left. And we'll just adjust the saddle here for you. If you want to try that one. Right. I can put that a little lower if you need to. If you sit up on the saddle and put both feet on the ground, but should I, I'll fall. Can we go a little lower? catch <laughs> 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 Try that there. Okay, yeah. That looks perfect. That's good. Wonderful. That's perfect. Thank you. So we're ready. On the way, guys, we have we have roadside assistance. So if you were to get into any trouble or anything like that, uh, just pick up the phone, give us a buzz, and we'll, we'll come and sort it all out for you. And so the journey began. There you go. Okay, right. We're off. Okay, guys. Up the hill for the first time. Okay. Goodness, I'll have to start in too high a gear. Okay, here we go. Oh my goodness. I'm on the pedal. Great to be on our way. We've been really looking forward to this for, for weeks. So how did the arrival of the Great Western Railway affect people living in Ackle? It brought social change because people were moving out of areas like Dublin and not getting more adventures and holidays and going to Ackle, which gave them sort of solitude. They could be locked away from it all and have a quiet sort of holiday away from the, the bustle of city life. Another asset was that the railway brought prosperous families from across Mayo also visit the island on day trips. 
local craft work found an outlet too. People were able to sell some of the things if they did some knitting, knitting cardigans or things like that. They could have sold them to some of the tourists that would have actually travelled into Ackle from outside the place. But the railway wasn't heavily used by local people. Despite the arrival of the railway to Ackle, very few of the locals could afford to travel on the train. Many of the islanders had never left the island. They had spent their entire lives there and died there. A trip in the train would have been a luxury to most of them, and they only travelled by train a very special occasion to the market in Westport or to catch a boat to travel abroad. Meanwhile, just outside Westport, the cyclists meet their first steep hill. Well, that was tough. But anyway, we're up at the top of it now, so hopefully it's all downhill now. Uh, I had to get off my bike. I just couldn't do that first hill. Oh, I feel that one in the calf muscles. Yeah, that was that was a steep one to start off with, wasn't it? A little bit puffed. Just after a bad start, but hopefully now it'll be all downhill. As the cyclists set off in good spirits, despite the hill, perhaps we should recall the more sombre mood of the first ever journey on the Ackle Line. Jane Cregan of Irish Rail takes up the story. The railway opened in 1894 with a terrible tragedy and uh, there was the first train to operate over the line. It was a funeral train in that 30 people lost their lives in a boating tragedy near Westport Quay and these people were from Ackle. So the, the bodies of these people and the mourners were brought by train to Ackle. It wasn't a promising omen and the lifespan of the line was short. When the line closed in 1937, it fell into disuse and in the 1940s, the Great Southern uh, Railway sold off the majority of the land. So when the Mayo County Council decided that they uh, were going to make a greenway on the route, we assisted them in giving them details of who the land was sold to. So what's Irish Rail's policy on allowing rail lines to be converted to greenways? where we don't believe that there is any short-term chance of a line reopening and we do have ownership of that line still. I mean, we're very happy to work with local authorities um, to provide greenways and we've done that on the Great Southern Trail and between Limerick and Kerry and we've also done it between Athlone and Mullingar and how it works is that there's a licence agreement between ourselves and the local authority so if in the future um, there is an opportunity for a railway to be reopened again that licence agreement can be terminated and then we would again go back building railways. Checking back in with the cyclists, progress has been good. We've arrived now at Newport, which I think is about 12 kilometres from uh, Westport. The first little bit of it for climbing the hill I thought was very hard, but since then, and that's for the last 10 kilometres, it has been beautiful, just coasting along, admiring the scenery, the smell of the mown grass was lovely, really nice. We wanted to get even nicer now. The sun is up high in the sky and the birds are singing and I'm just looking forward to a lovely ride. We left without our water guys, so remember to bring plenty of water, especially the weather we're having today. It's just absolutely marvellous. And if the riders are pleased to reach Newport, Newport is pleased to welcome them. Frank Chambers, former councillor and local auctioneer, describes how the village was before the Greenway. You could classify it as a sleepy little village. Not a lot of employment in it. Businesses having it difficult enough. But as it happened, not many businesses closed during the deep recession. And when the Greenway came, it gave it a lift that they have continued to flourish since. New businesses opened and there's a lot of food being consumed. There's a lot of young people employed. And in a county that's seen young people migrate to the cities, this is a real benefit. 
The Greenway has brought in extra people and that in itself has given employment to young people who are developing their skills and who are all participating in the new economy. And talking of youth, Frank explains how younger visitors are central to the Greenway's success. Children really are the ones that have made the Greenway extremely important because kids love to be occupied. They love to cycle, they love to do things. I asked one parent, how did you come to Mulrenny, Newport, Ackill and Westport? And they said to me, well, we asked the kids what do they want? And they said, we want to cycle. But when kids are happy, parents are happy. And it gives them the time to enjoy their families. And it's a plus, plus, plus the whole way. So what are our cyclists looking forward to in Newport? Oh, the high point is the cuppa and the, and the cake. Ah, you can't beat it. Oh, the factories may be roaring With the boom a zoom a wee but there isn't any raw when the clock strikes four. Everything stops for tea. And where better for tea than the Blue Bicycle Cafe, with its Victorian rear garden where the cyclists indulge themselves? Here we go. Oh, it's lovely. It's nothing like a cup of fresh tea to uh, invigorate you again. Anyone else for tea? I'd love a coffee, actually. Now, would you like milk? Yeah, please, yeah. Well, no, no sugar. Oh, milk for you, Jane. You remember Cleopatra had a date to meet Mark Antony at three. When it came an hour late, she said, You'll have to wait, but everything's up for tea. Oh, Philomena Chambers runs the cafe and she tells of its origins. Well, we had a premises here in our house, Debeel House, which is 300 years old, and I had just retired from my job, and I always had an interest in cooking and baking. So there was no tea rooms as such in Newport, and Greenway was just passing our door, and I decided to do something a little different. So we serve everything in Bone China, and we decided to put the emphasis on all homemade products. We do our own baking, we make or pesto or radishes and we do gourmet salads and we open just for the summer months and our main clientele are the walkers and cyclists on the Greenway. I asked Philomena if she'd cycled the Greenway herself. I have actually, I've cycled it down to Ackle and it's absolutely magnificent, particularly between Newport, Mulrani and Ackle. I mean, the, you're parallel with the mountains on one side and the sea the other and you're right in the middle of a wilderness and the gorse and the heather and the, the stillness and the quietness and the serenity of it. It's just unique. It's absolutely beautiful. Getting back to the tea rooms, Philomena has a speciality. Inspired by Newport's link to the film star Grace Kelly. The Grace Kelly cake is an orange cake and we decided to call it the Grace Kelly cake because Grace Kelly's grandparents came from Drumurla outside Newport and she came here in the 1960s. She stayed at Newport House and she visited the cottage where her grandparents came from, John Kelly. He emigrated to Philadelphia and it's made of oranges and ground almonds so it has a Mediterranean feel to it. So we serve that cake here and it's very popular. You're listening to On Your Bike on Documentary on News Talk. When it came to labourers looking for employment, the trains had a role to play. One of the most important functions of the railway would be to bring the troves of seasonal labourers who made the annual trip to Scotland and England from Ackle by boat from Westport Harbour. As for work on the railway itself, 
jobs were scarce. There was very little employment really given on the railway itself. It was the construction of the railway when they were actually building the lines and that, that there was a lot of work, but there was only the, the, the drivers and one or two of the staff on the train and in the station. So where were the station jobs? Westport and Newport and Mulroney, they would have had staff at them all right. Some, some employment, yeah, it would have been pretty basic at the time. And as there were steam trains, people had to put the, the coal into the engine and such like too. Back in Newport, the refreshed cyclists prepare to move on. 13 kilometres done, 29 to go. So we're doing well. The landscape the cyclists passed through was beautiful, but much of this had been in private ownership. I asked Minister Ring how landowners had been persuaded to allow the Greenway to pass through their properties. What happened was the county council, and particularly Barry Philbin, he spoke to every landowner along the way. Different individuals talked to different individuals, and people, to be fair to the landowners, some of their families now have, have jobs, some of them you know, really got no return out of it. But yet they did it for the community and they did it for the country and they have to be complimented for that. What they looked for was natural enough when, when a greenway is passing somebody's by their home or by their land, you have to protect their infrastructure, you have to take their, protect their land, you have to protect their home. And certain works were done and guaranteed and they were done. But at the end of the day, there was no payment made to any particular farmer. And I think that's a credit in itself. And the county council, the one thing that you have to do is maintain it to make sure that it's maintained and that it's looked after and that's happening. But the landowners, I think they were very generous and sometimes we forget about the generosity. Like if you walked into somebody's garden in Dublin, they'd have to guarantee there to put you out of it. Like to be fair, they own this land. They sat down with the county council, they sat down and they negotiated this and they hand over their land free of charge. So what does the future hold for the Greenway when it comes to tourism? Activity tourism is one of the fastest growing tourism in the, in the world and, and Ireland is doing very well at it. And the one thing that Fulch Ireland and Tourism Ireland they discovered when they were actually doing the assessments about visitors coming to the country, activity tourism. They're people that, that have money, they're people that want to be fit, they're people that want to they enjoy themselves. They come and they cycle, they stay in hotels, that they have their meals. So they're, they're great spenders for an area. So it's a very good tourism product and it's one that we want to develop. The longer the greenways they are, the more safer they are, the longer the cycle is, the more they want to use them. Finally, I asked the minister what his hopes were. That you'll have greenways and cycleways and walkways from, from Dublin to, to Westport to Ackill, from north, south, east and west, they'll be connected everywhere. Most people remember their first bike, and we asked our cyclists, and others encountered along the way, for their memories. It was a blue convertible, it had white, very fast, chubby tyres, and it was called a convertible because it had a, a removable crossbar. Could be a girl's or a boy's bike, but I wanted a blue one. I remember it well, it was a rally bike, and I got it when I was 18. I was about, I suppose, nine or ten. I, I was young as a five girl, so my sisters got the bikes, two second-hand bikes my dad bought. So I eventually snuck one of those bikes. It was fantastic, really comfy. I adored my little rally convertible and treasured it. So that was my first bike. I love that bike. Beautiful basket in the front and uh, lights and whatever. 
I rode to Santa every year for a bike, being the youngest of seven, and I never got a bike. So how old do you think you were when you got your first oh bike? <laughs> Probably in my 40s. <laughs> the first bike I really remember, I got my confirmation, and going flying down the road and getting up to 20 miles an hour, and I thought I was in the Tour de France. My first bike was a hand-me-down from my brother. He held the back of the saddle, and I was way off down the road, cycling away. I was saying, woohoo, I've cycled my bike. I didn't have a first bike till I started secondary. Oh, it was great, brilliant. Dad bought a second-hand bike. Four of us used a second-hand bike. I remember it was rusty all around. The pedals were rusty, so he had to clean it. That was our present from my dad. <laughs> a three-wheeler with the big wheels that I got from Santa when I was about seven. I only got my first bike last Christmas, and I'm 54 years of age. It's a beautiful bike, like what they call a high Nelly, and it looks really, really pretty, like the kind of thing you want to wear a dress riding, but I typically am in my tracksuit when I go out on it. Cycling can be great fun, but problems can arise too, and Travis DeRay of Clue Bay Bikes has to do service calls. If you just stand next to me there for two seconds, I just want to uh, to readjust the saddle height for you. Okay. We'll make sure you, we have you back to where you're supposed to be, and we'll get you on your way here in no time. Grand. Perfect. Is that okay? Lovely. Perfect stuff. Okay, you're on your way. Thanks a mil. Travis explains how the system works. What helps to, to make the Greenway so good is really is access and the ease of the service. Um, because we do have the five locations all along the trail, we're never more than five or ten minutes away from anybody who's in need. Um, we do use, obviously, the best, uh, the best bikes available to us, um, but punctures and things like that, they can happen. So we have a fleet of service vans as well. Uh, so we offer roadside assistance, so if somebody was out on the trail and unfortunately uh, hit a piece of glass or something like that and they got a puncture, they just simply call our office, we send a service van out and we replace their bike like for like and we take the old one away and everything's organised within about five minutes so there's no, there's no delay to the customer. Fortunately, none of our riders needed assistance and after a long scenic cycle, Mulrani was reached. At Mulrani, it was time for a break and the quick check on how people were feeling. Pain free at the moment. Bit of a sore just back. Carrying the water. Uh, legs a tiny bit sore, but nothing major. Nothing major. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I think I, I could do it a, a bit of chocolate now, it'll go down well. We made our way down to the busy main road for a visit to the shop where a local trader gave her views. There's always tourism here, yes, but uh, the greenery would have made a, a vast improvement on the tourist side of it now. School tours. Primary school, secondary school, children cycling on bikes and everything. Not everyone on the Greenway rents bikes, and we met a mother and son travelling under their own steam. We brought the bikes planning to do yeah, it. Yeah, we yeah. It. We were planning to do it, all right. I asked where they'd come from. From Ackle Sound into here, and yeah, it was a lovely cycle, and it was really nice and very pleasant and very easy. We're on holidays in Ackle for the week, so we cycled from Ackle Sound to get a 99. It was very enjoyable and I've said it's a good day out now. Before setting off on the next leg of the journey, the cyclists took time to admire Mulrani's restored railway station building. It really is a job well done and congratulations to all concerned. For Geraldine, the station area evoked images of the past. 
would really conjure up steam engines and uh, the sound of the steam and the, the noise and the whistle and all of the bustle and hustle and the people getting on and off and welcoming home and all that kind of thing. It's 13 more kilometres now to Ackle, but crossing those 13 kilometres was a daunting prospect for the Victorian engineers. Arthur Flynn explains. The operation to Ackle was a major engineering challenge as they had to lay the line over boggy and rugged terrain of the Quran Peninsula adjoining the island. So construction began in 1893 and dozens of Ackle men were recruited clearing bog and scrub and generally laying the single track to the last stretch of the line. The final stage of the line, Mulrani to Ackle, went into operation on the 13th of May 1895. The price of the tickets was set at three and six first class and two shillings for third class. Starry, starry night Paint your palette blue and grey Donlinyall Art Gallery is situated on a remote stretch of the Greenway and I asked its owner, artist Joseph O'Dolly, how this came about. The reason I opened the gallery is first of all because lots of people had been after me to do something with my art back in, way back in the 1980s and I was an avid sailor of the Yall, which was a traditional boat to the area here and I called it Yall Art Gallery which is in Ostagaelga, Donlinyall and we, we opened it here on the Greenway and we've never looked back since. As well as running the gallery and the coffee shop, Joseph has another building that acts as his studio and also as an art school. So how did he come to choose this location? My wife's people lived here. They were farmers. So this was an old patch cottage in its day. The house behind us, that was also a farm and is still a farm. We remodeled this whole house here. It was a stable as well as an old thatch cottage in 1860. Built to stay, never fall down. Three and a half foot thick walls. But the railway was less permanent and local farmers bought the land when the rail line closed. Some people may not realise it, but people built on the old railway. It might be a, an old uh, stable, a road or a, a walls, but we happened to have the railway going behind the, the house on the main road and there was a by-road coming down, so fields crossed over either side of the, of the Greenway. We happened to have the gallery just on the seaside of the railway. So what happened was when we were approached eventually, we agreed to let them go through whichever way. And some farmers were very good. I think they allowed them to go right through the middle of a major field up near Newport. And you'd be going through and there's sheep on either side, but the people can coexist with the sheep as well. We were lucky. So we had to portion off a portion of our field to allow them to go up through the field to exit right down the front of the greenway going down in front of my son's house on the main road. But it's paid off for Joseph with increased visitor numbers. It has given us more exposure. We get an awful lot of nice new people coming in to see us from all over the, the world, incidentally. So it has really opened up that vista of tourism for an area that was needing a little bit more. Also in saying that we don't want it to be too populated because then it'll spoil the lovely, tranquil peace that we also have. And this being an art gallery, we thrive on that because we love the little bit of peace for people and their easels up when they're painting here. But in saying that, it has brought in people on their bikes and their children who might say, I like that particular painting and they'll just have a cup of coffee. They'll go and one person will come back a month later and say, we saw something, we thought about buying that. And that's the big advantage to us as a gallery. Our cyclists stopped at Don Lignol and the gallery came as a surprise. My goodness. I didn't expect to see something like this along the route. Oh, I'm looking forward to a cup on tea and we're in a lovely little... Oh, look at this lovely garden. 
Well, yes. fantastic paintings. Oh, this is a lovely. Uh, this is a, obviously it's Croke Patrick up here, and uh, the, the children playing uh, with boats and fishing and uh, playing on the sand. It's magnificent. Look at the look at the shadows and the uh, uh, the way the sun is just picking out the people. It's magnificent. Yeah, there's, there's a lovely selection here, isn't there? There's a great range of, of, of different styles of art. Eugene is taken by a painting of a cat looking at a nude. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed at the look on the cat's face looking up at the woman. <laughs> he looks a bit shocked. The take on the Caravaggio here. Beautiful, absolutely fantastic. I mean, we're cycling along the Greenway and suddenly you come into the middle of an art gallery. Amazing, amazing. Beautiful. But finding artistic inspiration in this scenic landscape is not a new development. As Joseph explains. You're looking straight out on the inlet from Ackle Sound going up to Mulrenny. We're looking at the Ballycroy landscape over there with the Cleggan Mountains, by the way, which were painted by Paul Henry, who came to Ackle in 1910. He came on this stretch on the railway and he painted the hills just there in front of you. And he saw the most beautiful light sources on Ackle, as I do. The ever-changing light, the beauty changes. The same scene is never the same in the morning, afternoon and evening. Minon Cliffs, beautiful. You could be painting it. Artists that have come here for years have painted it in several different tonal values of unreal colour. Out here in front of you, when the sun shines there, the colours, you could have pinks there that you've never seen in your life before. And this is tidal, so the bay there looks absolutely magic with beautiful tones of umbers and siennas and the whole lot. So we have the most beautiful vista looking out there, unspoiled, will never be touched again. It's a natural area of conservation there. With just six kilometres to go, I asked the cyclists what they were looking forward to on reaching Ackle. I think it'll be a cold beer and then a shower. Just finishing the journey and feeling that I've, you know, achieved something today. I'm looking forward now to getting on that bus to get into the shower. It was a hot day of cycling, but it was marvellous. Yeah, I'm looking forward to crossing the line so that I can say to myself, I've done it. And I believe there will be a feeling of exhilaration. Alan Hughes is a musician, originally from Dublin, who spent many years playing on Ackle Island. I asked him what it was about Ackle that drew him there. Well, first of all, the music and the scenery. Our first time we were there, we were on holidays in Westport, and we took a trip over to Dua, one of the furthest villages, probably the furthest village west on the island, and I just couldn't believe the place. The scenery was just incredible. The beaches were incredible, the mountains, and then the wild Atlantic Sea. But no sooner were we ensconced there and we realised there was a fantastic tradition of traditional music and pipe band music. Alan tells of the island's unusual St. Patrick's Day tradition. The St. Patrick's Day, there's a great band tradition there and each village would have its own band, each big village, and um, particularly around where I stay, um, Dual would have a pipe band, Puller would have a pipe band, Keel and Ducanella, and there's a lot of rivalry between them. So every pa St. Patrick's Day they would meet at the church and they would play and then they'd meet uh, other bands and they'd spend the day marching up and down the villages and playing uh, you know, outside the pubs. It's, it's great fun, uh, but it's a fantastic skills that they have. Um, a number of years back they all got together and formed the Ackle Island Pipe Band and they went for the World Championships and they've, they've done extremely well over the years, like in different classes. 
I asked Alan how he came to end up with a house on Ackle. This is the place I want to be. It's the, the people are fabulous, and the scenery is fabulous, the music's fabulous, the sea is fabulous. There was no there was no negatives there, so um, I, I always wanted to have a place there, and uh, I was spending so much time there. It was nearly easier to get a place. Like so, that was that's the reason we ended up there. Like. As someone from outside who played a non-traditional instrument. How did Alan integrate into Ackle's music scene? I play an unusual instrument called a bazooki. It would have been frowned upon back in the, the early 80s uh, as not being a, a full traditional instrument, but it's now fully integrated into, into traditional music. So back in the 90s, uh, when I landed in Ackle, I was probably the only, for a couple of years, the only bazooki player that they'd ever seen. And it was because of groups like Planksty and the Bothy Band and people like Donald Loney. Uh, it had, be, had begun to become a popular instrument again and so from, for that reason I got to mix with a lot of locals, play in a lot of different clubs uh, and a lot of different types of music as well. Getting back to the Greenway, has it made much impact on the island? Absolutely, yeah, it, it's fantastic. Like it's, There's the Greenway and there's the Atlantic Way as well. Over the last few years now in particular, there'd be a lot of people visiting. There's, there's kind of pubs, new pubs opening and restaurants opening all the time and uh, yeah, there's a huge, huge increase in numbers. But even before the arrival of the Greenway, Alan had watched an interesting pattern emerge. What I've seen over the last 25 years is the, the young people growing up. In the past they would have moved away because there was nothing to draw them back to Ackle, but a lot of the people that I would know would have come to Dublin over the years are all moving back to Ackle to raise their own families there. And I think that's the best thing, that they're keeping all the culture and keeping all the traditions and whatever. And that's what they want to do. In the past, like, you know, they'd go to Scotland and England to work and they'd end up having their family there. And some still do, but most people seem to be striving to get back because it's a, you know, it's a fabulous place. And what's the best thing about Ackle? The best thing? Oh, that's a difficult one. Um, Ackle, <laughs> in its entirety. It's, it's coming from a city, it's a totally different world. It's at a different pace. Everything is different. When I hit the bray and look down on the village of Dua, everything in the back of my mind about Dublin or work or pressures or anything are all just left behind. And most people that I know would say the same kind of thing. They go there to get away from the hustle and bustle, a place you can get peace and relax. But despite Ackles' allure, Nothing could save it from the harsh reality of economics. In 1937, it was decided by the Great Western Railway Company that the Ackle stretch of the service was making huge losses and would be no longer viable. It would have to close. There were several reasons for the decline in passenger numbers, including the high fares, improvements in the roads and cars becoming more common. Meanwhile, tragedy struck and in a bizarre repetition of its first journey, the train's last trip was to once again bring home to Wackel the remains of its natives. The bodies of ten young people were brought back from Scotland for burial in Ackle. The youngsters had been buried alive when a fire broke out in the body in Scotland where they had travelled for potato picking. There were no survivors. They were buried with the earlier Bay victims in Kildonet Cemetery. The line closed for good for both passengers, animals and cargo. The tracks were removed shortly afterwards. Local people were incensed and protested to politicians, councillors and the company, but to no avail, the line stayed closed. And now, all these years later, 
the line caters for walkers and cyclists, including our group, who have finally reached Ackle. I asked them how it felt. I really feel great, Alfred. Great feeling of success and um, exhilaration, as, as Eugene was saying, and tired, but a healthy tired. Feeling of having achieved something. We set out, we didn't know what we were going to expect. I saw so much, and so I feel very happy now at this stage. It's a really a great sense of satisfaction, isn't it? And the scenery is fantastic. You're out in out in nature. It just feels great, and to have to have completed the whole thing and no injuries, no incidents, can't complain. So, what were the most memorable moments? Uh, the long stretches. I mean, there'd be places where you'd have to go uphill and downhill, but there would be loads of places where it'd be long stretches, and you'd get up ahead of steam and you could just keep cycling and cycling as if there was no tomorrow. Um, so that's my one abiding memory of it. The scenery, I think, obviously, and the quietness of the whole area and just the beauty, basically, and just makes you cycle without having to worry about traffic. The lovely things like the foxglove or the, um, the bog cotton, just magnificent sights that are just, just ones that I'll remember and take home with me. And what would people's wishes be for the future of the Greenway? That it would improve and more and more people would come to visit here. I hope that government will continue to invest in Greenways, not alone in Mayo, but all over the country. It could be one of the most spectacular Greenways in the world. Bring it right in over the viaduct, it, it certainly would make it a, a must for anyone to cycle. I'd like the roads to be a little bit better. There's a lot of shale on it and parts, so if it could be improved in that way, and I suppose more Greenway all over Ireland, I'd love to see an awful lot more of that. I feel I'd like to see more people out enjoying it. So more publicity about it and don't be afraid to do it. Just well worth doing it. I'd like to see that they don't destroy it, that it's maintained. See the place for what it is and come in and enjoy it and go again and tell their friends, but leave it as they found it. On Your Bike was produced and edited by Brian Gallagher. Our thanks to all those who took part in the project. This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee.